Welcome to The Author's Tale. This is part five of the award-winning poet and novelist James Norcliffe's tale. In parts one to four, we discussed his poetry and how it is influenced by his surroundings here in New Zealand and overseas. We also talked about his novels for young adults and children, and in particular his fantasy novels. And in the last episode, we looked at his latest novel written for adults, The Frog Prince. Coming up, we conclude our discussion of the marketing genius behind The Frog Prince, and we hear James's thoughts on the difficulties of being a published writer and selling your work within the New Zealand market. If you're a new listener to The Author's Tale, I highly recommend that after listening to this episode, you go back and listen to those previous episodes to get a really good idea of what makes James Norcliffe tick. I would also like to remind listeners that The Author's Tale has been recorded in the author's own home under COVID-19 social distancing conditions, hence the less than perfect sound quality. Of a lily pond. Yeah. Um, and the marketing was lovely. They had, uh, they had uh, that picture printed, reprinted as wrapping paper without any writing on it. So oh, wow. the first people that bought the book were the, were the um, booksellers that went along with the plan had the book wrapped in that paper. Oh, well, wonderful. Mm. And as far as, um, you know, feedback goes, have you had great feedback? Um, yes, I have. There's been, one, there's been one fairly surly review from a, from a f- feminist writer. Because I thought it's a bit of a feminist book in some way, but anyway, I can't write a feminist book. <laughs> um, but everything, yeah, three or four other reviews have been very, very, I've been very, very pleased with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, fact, I mean... Fact, the, uh, the review, it was in the spin-off, some woman wrote quite a long review. She'd read the book carefully, mm-hmm. but didn't like it. And mm-hmm. uh, But Harriet, Harriet and she had this long tennis match. Which ah. she, was, she was actually going to print a response to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good idea to, to um, engage, yeah. engage with it. It just gives it more traction. Yeah. But it's the first time I've ever had a really... Um, not unpleasant review, but sort of a review. It was wrong-headed. Right. Um, I thought, utterly uh, wrong-headed. Yeah. And I tell you, I mean, it comes through that you enjoyed writing it. Yeah, yeah. And people, well, people, well, my friends love it. Yeah. Well, it's good. <laughs> it is good. And any more in the pipeline? Any, any more adult? Uh, I'm thinking of one. Um, I've got one. I've got, I've got another children's, I've got another, yeah. well, I've, I've finished a Mallory book and I'm writing another Mallory book. because. Yeah. So, uh, they wanted a series. Mm. Um, haven't heard, haven't had any feedback on mm. the first one yet. Um, and I was very lucky at the end, beginning of last year. Um, uh, Laura Solomon was a, a New Zealand writer whom I knew through correspondence. We never met, but she died um, tragically, quite young. But the family and she has set up a. Uh, Laura, Laura Solomon Literary mm. Prize for um, creative work. It could be poetry, um, novel, short story, anything like that. Uh, she, she, she wrote poetry and novels. Um, in fact, she was published by Proverse, the people that published my mm. poem in Hong Kong, my poems in Hong Kong. Mm. Um, anyway, I sent off a novel I'd had finished and not didn't quite know what to do with, and. Uh, a fantasy novel called Lost City, which I'm really, really, really quite pleased with. Mm-hmm. And it actually, I uh, was shortlisted. There were shortlisted three books out of the 108, I think. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, that's, that's good. Um, so I sent that off to, to Penguin. But I, th- I think Penguin are a bit worried because I've seen them too much stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> people might do it. I, I'll probably get somebody else to do it. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it's called Lost City, and I see there's just been a movie released with the title Lost City. So I have to change might the title. Think that. That's good. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm, I'm pottering around with an adult, with a an, another adult novel, but I've only written about twenty-five pages. Um, yeah. Not quite. Haven't got the haven't got the um, flavour of it yet. I'm mm. still working through it. Mm. Yeah. So, what do you have any advice for someone? Well, what would you say to someone who is in say the early stages of being the poet? What would you say to them about just getting on with it? Really, I suppose. I normally say read, 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 read. read. Um, yeah. Uh, and and start. It's it's terrible, I know. That today, I mean, it, it, young writers and promising writers get caught in this awful bind. You can't get published until you've been published. Um, yeah. That sort of stupid paradox. Mm, mm. Um, so, start publishing small. I mean, get in, get into the get into the magazines and get into the um, if you're writing poetry, for example. And get a track record of publishing, not 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 on blogs and things, but in the the the, the landfalls and the yeah. Takahe's and the Poetry New Zealand's mm. and 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 the and someone there are a few online publishers yeah. that have got a good reputation, and work through those until you build up. Yeah. And if you get brave enough, go to poetry readings and and uh, mm. and then read your own work mm. and get the feedback because um, things like the CPC is hugely supportive mm. of, of, of new writers who who have talent and um, and they give and it's lovely going over there over the years and seeing people come along and very very nervous and they get a big round of applause mm. <laughs> which is partly sympathy but then they, <laughs> they come back and they yep. try again, again. and then yeah. they get more and more confident and with yeah. people, within a few weeks for months yeah. um, they're fluent and the continuity yeah. and they're making little jokes and then they read and yeah. yeah. And what do you say to people who perhaps I don't know, they they skip most of the act and they head straight down the self publishing route? Well you know, it can work. I mean fifty shades of grey work, but mm. I don't know. I don't know. Because there's not that there's not that feedback. No, you're not going to get that no, um, all no. that fine tuning of your work before it hits the shelf. It's oh, is, is the brutal fact is, um, it's it's it may be the only option. Mm. Um, um, but I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't possibly go to the expense if you're going to self-publish mm. of, of going hardback or I mean pa or mm. paper. I'd, I'd publish um, online or. It does seem to me that your suggestion of doing, you know, go, becoming, you know, joining your poetry collectives yes, and things yeah. like that and getting that feedback, to me that just seems the wisest. That's axiomatic, I think. It's getting to a writing group. I mean, I'm still in a, a group mm. that we meet once a month. Right. And, we, and we're quite brutal. I mean, yeah. it's a whole thing. You've got to be honest. Yeah. So people are honest with each other. Yeah. But, but because we're looking at the work and not the person. And, yeah. and that's another thing you've got to do as a yes. writer is separate that. Separate yourself from yes. the work. And people people are making comments about the work, not about you. Yes. Um, mm. uh, a particular poem may not work. That doesn't mean that you don't work. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
very uh, true. But it's hard, I know, because it's a huge ego thing, and, mm. and uh, your you self-respect and self-esteem are all tied up with it. Yeah. Mm. You could have a reasonably thick skin, though, yeah? You do. You do. Mm. And what, what do you think of the... Um, Sort of, I mean, you do comment about the quality of the print and the presentation. I mean, I think that's hugely important, especially for the marketability of a of yes, a, yes, of a work. Yes. And so, how much say do you have in that? Um, sometimes quite a lot. I, I, one, of, uh, one of my children's books called the um, the Enchanted Flute. Mm. That's a, it's a time. People go back to yeah. kids go back to Arcadia and and again cover illustration of children's books is very tricky, especially with you know sexual politics and things like that. Um, do you feature a lot of girls? I, I doesn't worry me because boys don't read anyway. So <laughs> your readership is going to be largely female yeah. for children's books. But they they didn't quite know how to do this, so so they sent me fourteen possible cover illustrations wow. and I was at Lincoln at the time and I so I took these all around and said what do you guys reckon yeah <laughs> and got a straw vote and we eventually picked up a, a cover that had nothing to do with the story really um it was just a sort of a cityscape with lights and things but mm -hmm. quite a nice picture um but it didn't indicate um it didn't try and tell the story Krem's mm. early covers always tried to tell the story so mm. they had some sort of as if it were one of those you know 30s or 40s books where they had, the books had pictures of the action yes. and then put one of those on the cover but mm. uh, yeah but yeah I get consulted um, for example with the Mallory books mm. I was shown what I asked what I what I thought of um, what's the name Emily, is it Emily mm. Walker what's the illustrator Emily Walker. Em Emily, yeah. I, was, I had a look at Emily's portfolio and, mm. and uh, they were quite happy with it. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's good. And I did the, they did the same with uh, Twice Upon a Time. Mm. Yeah. And that's cute I like too. that cover very much. And that, see, that doesn't, that's just a sort of a stylized um, Yeah, I like that printing. cover. Um, Mm. I love the way you've got the very good and the very bad upside down. Yes, that's right. You know, right. to me, yeah. that's really, it's really yeah, eye-catching. Yeah. Well, that was their idea, so that's great, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's mm. good. Mm. It's, mm. Uh, you know, um, it is eye-catching. And, and even on the back, you know, you've got the girl peeking around behind and you've got the cute dog at the bottom. That's right. Kind of yes, thing, you know. Little things, yeah. uh, it makes a difference, doesn't it, I think, mm. to yeah. how yeah. often it, it'll be picked off the shelf. They're quite good. They're yeah. quite good, though. Definitely. Yeah. And what's your... Uh, Sort of current take on sort of New Zealand literature at the moment, the scene. How how well are we doing? Well, I think we, we, we've got some wonderful stuff coming out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very vibrant poetry scene. Um, what more could we so do for our writers? Do you think? Well, I think the thing that's dispiriting as a children's writer, there's some wonderful independent booksellers around. Um, you know, wonderful shop in Napier uh, that I went to and. And some wonderful, the good, the good bookshop in Wellington, mm. places like that, and some of the older independent booksellers are great, like Scorpio here. We're just so lucky to have it, yeah. and the UBS. Yeah. Um, but a couple of years ago, or eighteen months ago, or so I popped into um, one of the big chains. Um, what are they called? Paper Plus. Yeah. At South City, to look at their children's books. There wasn't a New Zealand children's book there yeah. 
and we've got a vibrant mm. children's publishing outfit. Uh, Storylines is a wonderful organisation that works tirelessly for children's books. I mean, Quentin, Quentin, years ago, Quentin told me that the, the buyer for Whitcalls is in Australia. Crazy. And, and Whitcalls has got a very sparse mm. thing. I remember, again, not the same trip, but a different trip. There were a few New Zealand books on the shelves. Mm. Um, but there were mainly um, the books about the, the Princess Pony, wrong, I forget what her name is, she's a very, quite a good writer. Um, Soraya? No. 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 Um, oh, Stacey Gregg? Stacey Gregg. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so Stacey, Stacey's a good writer mm. and the books are quite, you know, they're, they're a cut above the sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, but, but they, they, just, they just run with fashion. Mm. And there was, I think there was one, might have been one Margaret book. Yeah. Um, it does surprise me. But you can't me. see, and that's the other thing. Books, those bookshelves um, have very short turnover. Mm. And I remember reading an article about W. Uh, Smiths in England, W. Smith. Um, the, if, unless you're on the bestseller book, if, and they actually give backhanders to Smiths bookshops to get their book in the window and on the shelf, and if it doesn't sell, it's off. Yeah. I remember you, you know, when I was a kid going to bookshelves and you could go to the poetry section they had they still had books that of poetry yes um they don't sell poetry and uh, no i don't think Whitcalls sell might might i don't know i haven't mm. seen checked it for ages certainly paper bus doesn't mm. so if you're in a provincial town uh the bookshelf the bookshop is likely to be one of the chains in which case you don't go and get it no you're not yeah. being represented are you no not at all the, um, what I also thought was interesting when um, I was I, I went to a number of you know libraries to get your books, mm. and um, and I think and the thing that and I, I guess it annoyed me, but you know I can understand why they do it. The New Zealand there is no devoted section no. to New Zealand writers, apart from there at Turonga there is um, there is the Margaret Mahi collection. Yes. And there is the uh, the Naitahu section, which is, which is in the um, all the Maori, the Tarea books, mm. and otherwise, yeah, there's the yeah the Margaret Mahi for all of the likes of your books, for example, mm. being in there. Mm. But in the actual children's, but yeah, but that's, that's on the floor. That's on the next floor up yes, from the children's yes, yes. floor. And not a place where children would go normally. Kids aren't going to go there. No. Um, and so then you've got to scrabble your way through all of the other books in the children's and yeah. in the, in, in the shelving and the children's mm. uh, thing to find the New Zealand writers and I said to a woman there who was when I was busy looking for something mm. and I said gosh I said I just wish you had all the New Zealand writers in one spot uh, you know mm. and she said if we did that no one would read them and I said mm. isn't that just that's just because shameful right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but I can kind of understand it because it's this kind of not a cultural cringe sort of a thing um, but you know people have this this thing, oh, it's not good enough. It's, mm. and I, but I'd like to think that is changing. That I, there are probably, I would imagine there's more people today that would appreciate how good New Zealand writing mm. is than what mm. there was even mm. 15 years mm. ago. Exactly. I'd like to think it is changing, but I mm. think to make it change even more, we have to make an effort, like doing this kind of thing, to make yeah. people aware yeah. of New Zealand writers and how good the writing is. Um, and we need to make the writing more accessible. And if that means that you have a copy in the general section, but you also have a whole 
exactly. area devoted yeah, yeah. to. So look at look at what we've produced. Mm. Well, years ago, Prue Langborn um, was a Radio New Zealand children's uh, editor, and she used to get like like Dick Weir, mm. but that has stopped in the yeah. last ten years. Yeah, there haven't been. Uh, any children's books, and I know because they they broadcast them on Saturday morning, mm. some some ungodly time when no children is yeah. is awake anyway. But a lot of my friends, um, someone say, "Oh, I heard your story again." You know, and I said, "It's great. Oh, that's that's wonderful." But I've written great books since then. Yes. That would be ideal. I mean, yes. this read aloud New Zealand. I mean, Mallory would be wonderful for yeah. those books. Yeah. They don't do them. They don't do them. Um, and it's interesting that, and frustrating, that going back to that music scene that I mm. that we talked about at the very beginning, there is a, they now have to have a certain percentage of New Zealand music that's on, right. on air. On air, that's right. On all of the radio stations mm, have to have mm, a certain quota. Mm, mm, mm. But yeah, there is no, um, to my knowledge, booksellers aren't required to have a certain percentage and that is your radio station exactly when exactly. you think about it yep, yep. the booksellers and the libraries are your radio station exactly. to yep. promote you and mm. so therefore i think the same should apply yeah. to writers to exactly. new zealand yeah. writers yeah yeah that should you should be more visible well we through storylines and 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 read new zealand i, I get access to schools yeah but, uh, and the School for Young Writers, I was involved, yeah. I've, been, I've been involved with Glenn for, yeah. Glenn Strange for 25 years. I mean, yeah. I was on the, when he, when he first set up yeah. the uh, School for Young Writers at the Arts Centre, mm. he asked me to be on the, on the board. In fact, I was chair of the first couple of years before I went off overseas. Mm. <coughs> and then, especially since I gave up teaching, I, I've done a lot of work uh, going around mm. um, schools for two-day yeah. workshops which I love doing mm. um, but I've given that up too now mm. uh, but, but the kids are hungry for it they love it they, they love, love it. seeing the face behind the books or hearing yeah. the voice behind the books um, and uh, they do well yeah. look, let's hope that you know through a variety of measures we can sort of get things mm. a little bit well, I don't know, not even a little bit. Mm. It needs, a, needs a something, doesn't it? But look, thank you so much for your time. Like I said, I feel like I could sit and we could chat forever and a day. Mm. Um, I think your, your work is absolutely fabulous and I've really enjoyed talking to you about it. You're lovely, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. And yeah. um, it's nice to sort of look at an entire body yeah. of work rather than simply having yeah. to focus on one. It's a bit of an odd combination, I suppose, being known as a poet and being known as a children's writer primarily because um, I think among the children's writers I'm known as a poet who occasionally writes a children's book and among the <laughs> children's, <laughs> children's writer I'm a, I'm a Now you'll be known as a writer of adult novels who, yeah, uh, no, well, a writer of children's that, who occasionally writes for adults Yes, yes. Well I know Margaret always used to say that uh, when she was asked are you ever going to write an adult novel she said no intention because it, it it belittles children's writing in mm. a bit to say think that children's writing is a somehow poor cousin of the adult novel. Yeah, and I I'm, a, I'm very much in agreement with that. I think. Everyone thinks you know. Yeah. I think most children's <coughs> writers feel like that, don't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah, that they are totally second so, considered second rate computer so novelists. So it wasn't some impulse to become a real writer that I wrote the Frog Prince. It was just something I just really felt I yeah. wanted to do. Yeah. Mm. Well, good luck with mm. it. I think mm. it's a great book, and I think it'll it'll sell well. 
I think, you know, for a number of reasons, A, it's written extremely well, but marketing-wise, they're... Mm. Yes, yes, which is absolutely key, isn't it? And you can have written the best book in the world, but if it's not marketed right, it's just going to sit in the, you know, and go nowhere. No, no, it hit the bestseller list for two weeks in a row at number ten. Fabulous! (laughs) That's what we like. No, it's Mm, absolutely mm, wonderful. mm. Thank you so much, James. I have thoroughly enjoyed it, but I better thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you, thank you for thinking of me. Well, it's good to come in these strange times, isn't it? And Mm. um, you know, sit out, do our distance apart. We're going to end this final episode of James's Tale with a reading from his book of poetry titled Deadpan, published by Otago University Press. The poem, Five Travellers in a Small Ford, sums up James's brilliance with words and the ugly truth of human nature. He takes us, the reader, on a journey, but he tricks us and he exposes our vulnerability to be tricked, not only in fiction, but in real life also. The reader is Drew Noble. Five travellers in a small forge. Five travellers in a small forge travelled across the Arden, the Utfanya, the high fens. The fifth traveller, strapped in a car seat, cried with hunger. Clumps of cotton grass rose from the bogland on either side. The car pulled off the road for the fourth traveller to nurse the fifth traveller. The sky was grey, and despite the late spring, there were patches of snow in the shadows. The third traveller puzzled at his mobile as the navigation system was awry. Luckily, a signpost directed the travellers towards Oipen. The second traveller, seated beside the third traveller, regretted not making muffins or packing fruit, as like the fifth traveller, the other travellers were hungry. In 1940, Eupen was declared Judenfrei, its citizens celebrated. The first traveller sat in the shadows of a deserted stadium and put his notebook to one side. He was a liar. There was no fifth traveller, no fourth traveller, no third traveller and no second traveller. This was okay, for this is fiction. In 1940, there were no Jews in Eupen. This was not okay. This was not fiction. Thank you for listening to The Author's Tale, produced and presented by me, Stephanie Fruin. I hope you've enjoyed listening to James Norcliffe's tale. He is a true word star and admired by many. And I wish to say a huge thank you to him and his lovely wife, Joan, for welcoming me into their home for a chat. You can find out more about James's work at his website, jamesnorcliffe.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow The Author's Tale for free to ensure you don't miss an episode, including future bonus episodes, where we will have readings of our author's work and also discussions with publishers in the future weeks. The Author's Tale is available on multiple podcast platforms. It is engineered at Plains FM and it is made with assistance from the Christchurch City Council and Creative Community Scheme.